Uh, welcome back, guys, for another episode of the A Better Me Equals A Better We podcast. Um, I'm your host, Trey Kwan, or Trey. Uh, this week's episode number seven topic, hands up, don't shoot. Um, this is a very controversial topic, um, especially because the climate of the world, like right now at this particular time, um, there's a lot of things going on, um, not just with shootings, um, but with excessive, unnecessary force, um, people's lives being lost. Um, and then aside from those things, although they are very important, uh, this affects our day-to-day -day life, like how we live. Um, the things that we do. And I think that is something that's very crucial for us to talk about. So I've brought three very special people with me to talk about this topic, um, as well as you guys uh, who are viewing in the comments. Um, and I'm just gonna start off by having our panelists introduce themselves. So I'll start with Angelica, ladies first. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself for our viewers and tell our viewers a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, hello everyone. My name is Angelica. I'm born and raised mostly in Brooklyn. I am um, a teacher here in Brooklyn, New York. I teach so sixth grade social studies. I am excited to be here today and have a lot to say about this topic. So I can't wait until you get started. Nice, nice. And um, I'll go with our eldest at this point, um, Lamont. Why don't you uh, introduce well, yourself? Old and now. I feel real old now. <laughs> My name is Lamont. Uh, I live in Flatbush, Brooklyn, and I've been an NYPD cop for 25 years. And I've known uh, Trey Pond for, I'm not going to say how many years, but it, it's been over a decade, <laughs> two decades. <laughs> got some time. We got some time in. And um, I thought it would be really special to have. Uh, Lamont here with us um, just to hear a different point of view, right? Um, I want to cover all um, all sides of the spectrum, so um, I can't wait to hear uh, what you guys have to say. And last but not least, uh, Tim, why don't you introduce yourself for our viewers? What's going on, everybody? Um, Tim Jones. Uh, I am the senior pastor of Greater Harvest Miami. Oh, I'm about to get I'm about to get hurt. I'm married to Dominique. I'm happily married to my wife, Dominique. And then, <laughs> and then, got to throw that one out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and then, I love you, mama. I love my mama. And, and, and then, um, I proudly serve as the senior pastor of Greater Harvest Miami, the greatest church in uh, the Tri-County area in South Florida. And uh, I am a social justice advocate. I am a burgeoning law student in August and uh, a future seminarian. And yeah, and I'm glad to be here tonight with my brother. Glad to be here, bro. Nice. And uh, Dominique, if you guys have been following uh, the podcast, was actually uh, one of our panelists on one of our past episodes concerning screen time. Uh, so uh, in knowing Dominique, I've um, had the chance to connect with uh, her husband, Tim. And, um, you know, I'm happy he said that because happy wife, happy life, right? So we got to make sure we, you know, make sure you shout him out. And um, so, <laughs> so um, let's just dive, you know, like we'll just dive right into it. Um, and, you know, when we think about or look at the term hands up, don't shoot, right? It was created um, 
after, well, it was used prior to this, um, but it, it got stamped and became a thing after uh, the shooting and the killing of, and I know I might mispronounce this name, so, you know, y'all don't roast me, or um, Phileo Castillo. Um, and, and it became a thing after that. Um, and, you know, in reality, if you live in a particular community, it's something that that you've heard just in general, right? It's something, and if you haven't heard it, it's something that you felt, right? Like, um, hands up, don't shoot. So um, I want to start, um, and I think that a lot of things or all things start in the home, right? So that's, that's where I want to start this particular conversation, right? When we think about that particular climate, um, things that are going on with um, our local law enforcement and um, I'll ask you first, Angelica, how do you think um, with everything that's been going on these past few years, um, well, I can't even say these past few years because we've seen brutality or, or excessive force dating back to, you know, super far back, right? Um, but it's something that's been highlighted because of social media um, and then in media and things of that sort. Um, so how do you feel like, um, these affect conversations in the home, like as a mother? Um, I'm a mother of a black son, he's only four. Um, I speak to my dad about like when we should have that conversation and what that would look like. The, the biggest thing for me, like in what I was taught is how to interact with a police officer, right? Um, how to be respectful um, how not to escalate a situation. Um, and I'll put like my dad was talking about it the other day is like when you encounter a police officer um, and more so as a black, a black man, like, you know, it, it seems like they, you have to do the deescalating. You have to first make them calm so that they feel safe so that they can then <laughs> approach you in a way where you don't feel threatened. So I think that the conversation starts with how to approach or how to handle or interact with a police officer. Um, and people may disagree in terms of like, oh, I shouldn't have to be submissive or I shouldn't have to. Um, but I think people, all people should handle um, situations with respect and people are always not gonna be in the wrong. But when your life is at stake or if you're in a space where you feel like you might not make it home that night, is it really worth um, being right in that instance? So for me, it would be just teaching my son how to interact with a police officer if or when he is stopped or um, yeah, anytime he's interacting with a police officer, how to act. Okay. And, and I think that it's, it's so scary. Um, you know, like you said, being a mother of a, of a son and, um, feeling like this is something that could be inevitable at some point, like, you know, he's going to encounter or could possibly encounter a police officer, um, and, and have to be afraid for his life, or you might have to be afraid, um, for his life. And, um, Tim, as somebody that, um, not only deals with adults, um, but communicates to children and, and have to, um, you know, or are responsible for the growth of people. Um, how do you feel like are some ways that that this can be communicated to our children and, and what what do you think that conversation entails? Um, yeah, man, uh, that's that's a dope question. I think number one what's what's going to have to happen is a certain level of self awareness has to take place first. So I think that uh, no matter what age group you're dealing with, whether you're dealing with someone who's three, because remember now, uh, a child is as young as six months old can tell the difference between skin tones. 
uh, a child around the age of three starts choosing friends based on their race because they they're it's not that they're being racist or particular it's just that you know they you look like me so I'm going to engage with you um there's some self-awareness that has to be done so you have to see how racism has directly affected you right and then you have uh, because racism most definitely has affected uh, people of color against people of color I always say that there is this intracultural racism with cu cultures of color um so so if you are if you're grown up in a predominantly West African home or a West Indian home uh, a Caribbean home a, a predominantly African-American home like me um you have to realize how racism has affected uh your parents and then how that affects you and then you have to discuss that your children may have a different context than you do. Um, I'm, I'm trying to cover this in 30 more seconds, but I'll just use this as an example. Uh, so you have people that come from Haiti or the Bahamas or Jamaica or uh, West Africa. And when they come to America, there's, all, there's already this uh, concept that they have of black people in America. Uh, so the women are sexualized, the men are ignorant, the men are violent, the people are dirty, the people are not clean. Uh, they equate them with being ghetto. They equate they equate them with being poor. They equate them with being ignorant, and so that's how racism has pitted people of color against each other. And so they have that in their mindset now, and they don't want their child to uh, develop mannerisms, uh, embrace the hip hop culture, right, of America, because they equate that with something negative as opposed to something positive. So, so there has to be some level of self awareness. But then, no matter what the age is. You can have that discussion discussion with your child. I'll just leave it there right now. But you, there needs to be some self awareness first. Dope, dope, dope. That 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 was super dope, and I and I really like the angle that you took in regards to self awareness, right? Because um, like the title of the podcast, like a better me equals a better we, right? So in order um, to strengthen the collective, we all have to be strengthened and grow. Right. I can't give you something that I don't have. Right. Um, so it all has to start with yourself. So I really um, love that angle that you took. Um, and Hannah said in our comments, like I have four brothers and this is something that I worry about. Right. So so just seeing that this is like we're not the only ones like what whether you have a child or you don't have a, a, a child, whether you um, whether you have a son or um, this is something that we're worried about, like for our loved ones, like just in general. Um, and Lamont, I want to ask you a question um, for for someone that has been in a lot of people's lives, right? Like um, you're raising a son right now and um, and you have nieces and nephews and cousins and right. Um, do you believe that this conversation um, applies to daughters as well or like the women in your family? Is this a conversation that needs to be had with them as well? Of course, of course. Um, well, you gotta, it's like the like with all, you gotta treat everybody with respect and you, should, and you get it in return, especially when you deal with police officers. Most of the police officers, honestly, they don't wanna talk to anybody. <laughs> but uh, when they do, this, all you have to do is just come up and respect them and they'll respect you right back. You know, uh, if you ask them for help, they'll help you. You know, it, it's in today's, Today is a lot better than it was 15, 20 years ago when the police force in New York City was 90% all white. So uh, like my precinct that I came from is 95% black. Now it wasn't 
15 years ago, but it is now. But if you, if you treat everybody with respect, we'll give it back to you. Dope, super dope. And I, and I think that's, that's one of the um, approaches that, that I think a lot of people try to you know, teach. I know myself, um, you know, having a son, you know, that's one of the things that, that I do tell him. Like, although um, you may be in an encounter where you might encounter someone who has a mindset or a prejudgment or presupposition about you, um, treat that person with respect, right? Because in all actuality, it might not be that, right? But you want to put your best foot forward um, just to, I guess, uh, like, I think it was Angelica, I think you said this, I'm not sure if you said it live or before, um, but, but Angelica has said that uh, sometimes we get in situations where we feel like we're the person that has to deescalate, right? So putting that best foot forward um, is a way where, uh, where we can kind of start that deescalation before it even starts, right? Um, another thing I wanted to talk about with you guys was um, our relationship in our community with law enforcement, right? Like what's our relationship with the law enforcement in our communities? Um, and uh, I love that I have uh, Tim who's in Florida um, and then the, uh, the rest of us who are in New York because we can kind of get like a different perspective uh, for different areas. Um, so Angelica, I'll ask you this first and then um, I'll follow up and, and Tim, you can answer the question after her. Um, do, do we fear our neighborhood law enforcement? I would say yes. And I think about terms in terms of race, um, I like to say that everybody has their own black experience. Um, not every black person, man or woman, whatever who you are has the same experience um, regardless of where you're growing up at. Um, there is no community in terms of, the police is not a part of our community. So I really wanna make that clear, like community is, something you have to be a part of. If you are, um, you don't speak to people walking by, you're not someone people can go to to feel safe. If like I talk to my students about community, people in a community feel safe. If I need something, I can go to someone who is my community. Um, if you're in a church of a church community, the people in your church, somebody you can go to, um, you don't feel safe going to the police officer. You wanna make sure that there's nothing happening with you that looks suspicious when you're around a police officer because you don't want the interaction to happen. That doesn't make me feel like community. I do think that there have been efforts from what I do know, like um, over where, where my job is on you know, Troy, there are community police officers. Um, one of the guys at my church was a part of community police officers and some priests do take the initiative to make, build those relationships, right? So in order to be a part of community, you have to know who those people are. You have to know that the boy from that building is going to school and, and doing what he needs to do and his mother works hard and he's on the way to the store so you can vouch for him. You have to get to know the people that you service. You understand what I'm saying? But because most cops don't do that, and I'm not saying that all cops don't, but when most cops don't do that and you walk by a police officer and they don't speak to you or, you know, what you see on the television, you're, you're taught to fear them. You're not taught that you can go to them if you need something. I'll give a, an example. Um, one time my friend got shot and I was so panicked, like trying to drive him to the, the, the hospital and I didn't know what to do. And um, I stopped the police officer and the, the, the guy ignored me. <laughs> I don't know if it was in his job description to, to do anything. I know that seems kind of extreme, but he 
didn't say nothing, didn't react, just looked at me like I was crazy, as if that's a norm for me, as if I'm not supposed to be afraid. And I had to just continue getting in the car and then driving me. So in terms of community, I would start and end by saying, I don't think they are part of our community for the most part. I don't build, you know, put everybody in one, in one pot, but for the most part, I don't think they are a part of our community. Hmm. And Tim, what, what would you say that the climate is uh, where you are? Uh, do you feel like, um, you know, that they fear the, the, the law enforcement in the community? Um, I, I have to agree with Angelica. I, I couldn't listen to her talk for, for 15 more minutes on that. Um, uh, because, uh, well, number one, I'll say this, there, there isn't just a residual fear in black people uh, or people or in our communities of, of, of law enforcement, but law enforcement has a, um, a built-in fear in them. And, and I, I know we're gonna discuss uh, police uh, training, but I'm gonna specify where I live here in Miami, um, that what happens now is that most police officers, most, most, most men who, or and women, uh, who want to go into law enforcement do so because they want to help their community. And so, so, so the driving motivation is um, I, I want to better my neighborhood. You know, I, I want to be like a superhero. I want to help on this level. What happens though is when they start uh, getting into these uh, trainings, uh, they're taught it, that is a us versus them mentality that takes place. And so 71 hours of their training on average is spent on using their firearm. 60 hours is used on self-defense and only 43 hours or so is used on how to be uh, a community, use, uh, utilize community policing, uh, uh, how, how to bring some level of uh, reform uh, to the area, how to bring some redress to issues that take place in a calming manner. So, so the, here, in, here in Florida, here in Miami-Dade County, I'll say at least, uh, th that has become a major issue. Another thing is that a large portion of our Cuban population which makes up a lot of Miami-Dade County, uh, particularly Hialeah, equate themselves with uh, Anglo-Americans, with white Americans. And so because of that now, you have people who exalt not only Cuban culture, but this uh, post-Trump uh, racist culture within the police departments. So what happens is people don't really trust the police, but we have to realize that the police are taught, uh, you know, just like they don't trust you guys, you can't trust those guys because Somebody can have a knife and run at you and they can be 50 feet away, but they can stab you before you get your gun, so kill them, right? Or somebody's back can be turned, uh, but but they can grab their gun and turn around and shoot you, so you have to shoot them. So it's kind of this get them before they get you mentality. And when you're trained, when you're training somebody to think that way, and, and, and their motivation originally was to help the community, now they're motivated to just defend us at, at all costs, right? And, uh, and and I, I would love to hear uh, Lamont's perspective on that, but um, but but that that that's kind of that's kind of what takes place here. And I'll utilize I, I could I could specifically say in North Miami Beach, uh, which is about 45 miles on or 35 miles north of where I stay, uh, you have a large Haitian American population, which which makes up the police departments there. So these are black people. But when they're having targeting practice, it was it was discovered a couple of years ago, and I'm talking about four or five years ago, that all of the pictures for target practice uh, in their gun ranges were all young black men between the ages of 18 and 25. So so uh, so when you have the face of a young black man, myself, uh, who you probably arrested or captured, uh, who you caught doing something probably was in the drug game, uh, scamming, doing whatever he was doing, uh, you know, and you put that picture up and you're shooting at that. 
something is happening psychologically. So you have a dual fear. You have a fear of the community of the police, and then you have a fear from the police that they're trained now. Uh, Lamont may not think this way, and these are good people, but when you're trained to think a certain way, right, then they develop a fear of the community in and of itself. Tim, I, I, I really, you know, I really just want to say, uh, Tim and Angelica, like, I really love the way that you guys broke down your responses. We're able to give, you know, all of us different angles um, and, and statistics, right? Like, so this is the percentage of what they're training on um, in your particular area. Um, because again, these, this is stuff that, that we need to know. Um, and one of the things that that Lamont has said earlier um, that I really loved was that he said that, um, you know, things are better than they were um, a particular amount of years um, before. And um, at the end of the day, like we do know that there are some lapses, right? There are some, there are some lapses that are clear. Like we can, we can see that there are things going on that are wrong. Things are not perfect. There are things that should uh, seem like common sense that should not be done that are being done. Um, but to know from the inside that there's a progress because uh, we have to remember um, like someone like Lamont, for example, who lives in Brooklyn, who lives in the neighborhood, right? Um, and he's been policing in the neighborhood as well. And then he's also black, right? So we've seen an instance just recently on the news where there was a military sergeant, I believe, who got stopped by the police um, and was maced, right? Um, they, they used force um, on him and things of that sort, and he was in uniform, right? So um, as much as we look at uh, police officers and, and say that, um, that you could be a part of the problem, we also have to remember that Lamont right now with his hoodie on in a different neighborhood where they do not know that he's a police officer could now fall victim to the same things that that we fall victim to, right? Um, so, and have. <laughs> and have, I've been thrown to the ground and everything. Right, so um, so Lamont, I'll ask you, um, I, and I wanna address uh, that comment that you made. What are some things that, um, when you say that things are better than they were, what are some things that are being done that you feel like um, are trying to better the, the climate of the way that things are? And are there anything right. being done now uh, with some of the recent developments in our world. Yeah, if you remember, I don't know if you remember the case of Admiral Luima, where the precinct where the plunger, that was the precinct that I came from and I came out of, out of there. I was there when that actually happened. So back then, when that was a norm of all, if you got arrested back then, you came in the house, you had lumps, you were bleeding, you were on the floor, you had cracked ribs, broken legs and everything. They didn't, and it was is a normal thing. Today, there's too many rules to go. There's too many people following. There's too many rules to go by. If it is just, it's just everybody's watching, and there's more minorities now than there was back then, years ago. As most of priests in Brooklyn are at least seventy percent black and Hispanic or more, you know. And and we know we know the neighborhoods. We know who, who's in the neighborhoods. We know we grew up in those neighborhoods. We know how it's going. We treat everybody like grandma and grandpa. You know, it's it's different than, I hate to say it, but it's different than us dealing with the public than somebody from Long Island, a white guy from Long Island dealing with a black public. It's, it's totally different. So it, it's it's gotten a lot better over the years. 
I want to I want to step in and say one thing. <laughs> I do agree to some sense. I, I do want to highlight Hispanic prejudice against African Americans because mm. we can be lumped up and say black and brown. And I get it. I am half um, Puerto Rican um, and I'm half black. And um, I've experienced prejudice in my own family. I've seen when some cops who were Spanish, right, Spanish background treat African Americans the same as if a white man. Um, who was racist or had negative um, ideas about a black man, treat them the same way. Um, so yes, yeah, so and you thinking about statistics, there are also a lot of people who we would consider black that can say that they are white. For example, people in the Middle East, they are mm. just as black as me and you, but they label themselves as white and they are seen as white. So when yes. you see statistics and things like that, and you think that you know the lines are, are kind of blurred, it's not really clear cut black and white just because a person's Hispanic, doesn't mean then you know afro latino afro latina they can have their prejudice as well in terms of their dislikes or about african americans or lack of understanding about where we come from and what our culture is i definitely agree with that um you know i've seen it you know before um and i think that it 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 goes to to um even the point that tim made earlier where um, there are people from different places who, who look at and label things a certain kind of way. And, and it's like, I don't want to deal with this culture because of this and, and things of that sort. So I've, I've definitely seen and experienced that from myself. Um, and I do think that, that it is a problem because when we look at how um, we're grouped together, right, it's usually black, black brown, Latino, right? So if we're going to be grouped together, we should have an, uh, as much unity within that group as possible. Um, so I definitely, um, I definitely agree with the points that both of you guys made about um, petty division um, within, you know, our group. Um, because whether we like it or not, we're grouped together, right? Whether we like it or not, that's just, um, you know, what, what the scenario that we're in. So I want to go to our comments for a brief um, moment. And uh, Nikki said in our comments, some people are scared to call the cops even when a crime is being committed. Um, and, and I've seen that um, before. Uh, Natalie said, uh, you're talking, Tim. Um, and, I, and I can agree. I can agree with that. Uh, Key said, Tim, preach. Uh, Natalie said, I'm not trying to start trouble, but uh, does the training between a taser and a gun get done? Yeah. Um, I think it starts with human resources. <laughs> So Lamont, I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer that question. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's done twice a year and it's, it's two different classes and um, it is oh, the whole entire day. Yeah, and you have to be certified. You can't, if you don't take these classes, they take the taser away from you. you it, it is no, it, like what happened recently, there is no possible way you can mistake the two. There's none. Wow. none. Say that because they weigh they weigh different, and there's no trigger on there's yeah. no trigger on a taser. Yeah, it, it's there's no way you can mistake. And, it, and one is black, one's yellow. I know certain certain states have all black ones, but the, it, it, it different sizes, and they look different. There's no way. There's no way. What? Now that. That is great. That to makes know. you think it's, it was premeditated. Just saying. I mean, I mean. Uh, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say, Tim? Because oh well, well, I mean, no, I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm, you know, I'm licensed to carry. Um, 
you know, being from the South, I'm a, I'm a country boy going hunting and all that stuff is just embedded in me. But, um, but um, Lamont just, uh, whoa, man, you just gave me a, a whole culture shock. Really just the whole, the, the whole day of training and mm-hmm. uh, man, ooh. Yeah, like, so when you, when you really sit and look at the details about um, that particular situation, um, and then uh, from the position that they said that this woman held or, or yeah, held at the time um, of the situation, uh, it's just, it's just really um, mind blowing that, uh, that the, that the word mistake um, could be placed into there, um, especially now hearing from you. That was uh, a mistake. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was not a mistake. And, and that that this is one of the reasons why um you know when when i when i originally posted our panelists i let everybody know that we would be having a special guest uh if you guys saw the panelists lamont was not there he is the special guest right he's our he's our insider right um and not only is he an insider like i said earlier he looks like us he goes through what we go through i know like i know this man personally right so like we've eaten dinner together. Like we, like I know this man personally. So I know that um, he goes through what we go through. And I also know that he can speak on things that we may not um, have information on and, and that we can just speculate or maybe information is so available nowadays that we can, you know, look up things and may not know it firsthand. So I'm happy that you were here um, to, to answer that. Um, also in our comments, Natalie said, Angelica, you may need an escort if you speak on this, you're telling it. Um, and I think that was in regards to the, the Latino, um, you know, hate. Uh, and then uh, Trey said in our comments, I have been pulled over and the black cop treated me worse than the white cop. Mm. Um, that's, that's interesting. Um, that's very interesting. And um, Tim, what are your thoughts on that? By me. Uh, okay, so uh, well, a couple of things um, that you have to address uh, when it comes to that uh, is I think the first thing has to do with warrior policing, and, and and Lamont knows that goes all the way back to the '80s and the crack epidemic, um, and, and so um, these drugs plague our neighborhoods, and so with, with the drugs mm-hmm. there is fast money, uh, there is erratic behavior, uh, there is already. Uh, well, I don't, I, don't know they, I don't know they deal with this in New York or they do here, but you, you have red line neighborhoods. I'm sure they deal with that in most black communities everywhere uh, as a result of gentrification and who you vote for. And so the warrior policing comes in and uh, black people are targeted, uh, specifically black teenagers, black young men, men are targeted because they are the criminals that, well, most of the crimes that are being committed with, with crack cocaine is committed by young black men. And so when that happens, you have like once again, black brother saying, "Look, I'm going to go in." My, my little brother was a victim of gun violence, or my son was, uh, or or my nephew was a victim of gun violence. So I'm going to go into. I want to become a police officer. I want to help with this. At the time, they're now training police officers to be to, to deal with warrior policing, right? And so now you got black people that deal with the same struggle as you do. Your brother, your sister, just like you, and so now they are also participating in this warrior policing. This um, form of this this is really it's really really is police brutality um that that's taking place 
And uh, and so you have a lot of black men that feel like, you know, black, if they, they live in major black cities. So you're talking about DC, you're talking about Charlotte, you're talking about Houston, you're talking about St. Louis, you're talking about uh, South Central in LA, you're talking about Compton, you're talking about Brooklyn, you're talking about, I mean, you name it, you name it, Atlanta, you know what I'm saying, Baltimore, we all watch The Wire, but I mean, if you've ever been to Baltimore, you know what's going on in Baltimore, right? So, and then if you've been in DC, and I ain't talking about Pennsylvania Avenue, mm-hmm. you you go to DC, the mambo sauce with the wings, that's DC, right? So, uh, so <laughs> Philly, you know, Detroit, Chicago, I mean, when you go into these major urban cities, and you got to remember Minneapolis, right, where George Floyd was murdered, people leave Chicago, let me escape the violence, and go to Minneapolis, right? It's only two hours away, but then they bring all of these people are moving to Minneapolis too. These boys are moving with their gang mentality. Black police officers are there too. In these urban areas, you get black police officers, and they're also enacting uh, this system of warrior policing. And so that's why a lot of black men feel like they get treated just as bad uh, by black police officers, the bad apples. Right, right. And I'm happy that you made that that um, specification, the bad apples, um, right? So um, Angelica, when we look at, I, I know for me, right, I didn't live in what people will call the burbs or the suburbs, right? Um, I'm just going to make it plain, right? I didn't live in the worst neighborhood, um, but I definitely didn't live in the best neighborhood. And um, going to uh, middle school and um, especially high school, I think is where um, you get a bunch of people, middle schools and elementary schools are typically like zone schools. So the majority of the people live in your neighborhood or in the vicinity. Um, and then you got some people that's, you know, playing with the system. They might be using grandmama address and they, they go to your school, but they, you know, live it. But that's another story, right? Um, but in high school, um, that's when you get to kind of like, all right, I want to go here. I want to go here. And, and you get a bunch of people from a bunch of different neighborhoods um, or, or if you have friends, you, you know, you meet friends when you're doing different activities. And um, when you venture out to these different neighborhoods, you start to look around like, wait a minute, like I'm not very comfortable here, right? Like, um, and, and as men, um, and you know, doc, we ain't always been married, right? But the, you, you talking to a girl and she tell you to come pick her up and you, you walking up to the house like, uh, meet me at the corner, please. Meet me at the corner. I'm not walking <laughs> move on, through this. Move on, doctor. Move on. Move on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not walking through this crowd, right? Like I'm not walking through this crowd. So I, I say that to say like, um, there are very uncomfortable neighborhoods to be in, right? Um, and when we look at what police have to deal with, especially people that are local police, as well as we know that that neighborhood is uncomfortable, they know that that neighborhood is uncomfortable as well. Um, so Lamont, like, do you feel like that plays a part in some of the policing, like their approach? Um, is it like, does the neighborhood have an effect on it at all? Uh, yeah, the neighborhood does have an f- effect on it and so does the people. Um, because you try, as soon as you get there, you try to take control of the situation and some officers come over as being overly aggressive. So as, and it comes again, if you come from that neighborhood, you know how to have de-escalate a situation. You do. Yeah. If, but if you come from like Long Island, (laughs) where they, where they don't see too many black people at all, then it's a different situation. 
Right, right, definitely. And um, so now look now looking at you know that it plays a part in the policing, right? Now, Angelica, do you feel like being somebody that that has been around particular neighborhoods or been uh, in certain neighborhoods that may not have been comfortable, do you feel like it's easy to be, I guess, um, treated the same as somebody because you look the same as them? Um, you mean in terms of the black cop treating a black person just as bad as the white cop? You mean in that context or? Or in the sense of like, let's say for example, and if there's anybody on here from Brownsville, I'm sorry, I mean no harm, but we all know that um, Brownsville is not the, the, the best area, right? Um, so like, let's say if I, if I live in Brownsville and I dress the same as maybe the people that hang out in, in front of the, the building and they're selling drugs or, or just um, partaking in criminal activities, right? But we dress alike, um, we're into the same fashions and things of that sort. Um, and, and the police kind of like they have an idea that this neighborhood is rough. These are, you know, the people that are, you know, kind of partaking in these activities. And we dress alike because we're into the same things because we come from the same culture. Um, what are your thoughts on being, I guess, treated the same because of, you know, where you come from or the neighborhood that you're in? Um, I would say it's a, a matter of ignorance, um, I would say, because um, I definitely was a psychology major and we definitely touch on like how people view people, right? So you have these synopsis or whatever where you see a white guy with the same exact outfit on as that black guy from Brownsville and they are not viewed the same. So I think it's ignorance one but as well as just having a fear for the color behind the clothes it's, it's a culture those rap artists wear it those white kids in the suburbs wear it <laughs> um they can afford it <laughs> a lot more of it than the people from our neighborhoods like so i don't think it's a matter of what you're wearing i think it's a matter of what you look like um for somebody to say they don't see color and they see the tims on your feet no that's that's not it you're in a neighborhood where the crime is high you're in a neighborhood right statistically where people are prone to get shot or killed or you're in a neighborhood where people sell drugs and those people are black so if i see a black person i'm gonna think that they sell drugs but it brings me back to my first point in terms of policing an area how do you not know that kid how do you not understand that that kid is a kid who goes to school and is doing the right thing as opposed to the thug that's on the corner if you're policing that area you should know who the people are i'm from Farragut for green. I know who people are. Like, you understand? Because you see them every day. So I know the person that's on the corner and doing whatever they're doing on the corner. You understand what I'm saying? So would that, that make me think, like, do we all look alike? Because I know we don't all look alike, which will bring you back to, to racism as well. I don't think that it's a matter of what we wear. I think, like, I'm a Black girl. I grew up in Farragut for green, and I wore whatever I like. You know what I'm saying? Does that mean I'm a criminal? No. But if you don't know your area, then and you have this general idea of African-Americans and, you know, a stereotype, then, then you're gonna feel that way. But I think it's lack of education, it's lack of intelligence. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not a, a smart thing when you think about it. Like if a white guy was wearing the same thing, you wouldn't think that about him. And he has the same exact clothes. And this has been proven. This is not just something, a theory I'm just making up. Like you can look it up, like it's proven. A white man, you know, backwards cap, 
baggy jeans, baggy t-shirts, still on the bike, right? I will give you a still on the bike. He's still on the bike, right? It's not his bike. That same, that another black kid, that same bike, people come by, they are calling the cops on that, on that kid because he's black. So they assume, oh, he's black. Why he's in my neighborhood, he must be still on this, black, this bike. His parents can't be middle-class. His parents can't be college graduates. He, that can't be his bike. Why would he be in my park? I haven't seen a black person in my park. So. That's a that's that's a great point, and I really love the way that that you um, that you put that. Um, there's a comment that I want to read before I go to our next topic. Um, and Natalie said in our in our comments, um, "I'm 65 years old from South Jamaica, New York, and these are triggers that are bringing up old traumas." Um, she can't. She said, "I can't take this. I am mad uh, as haze." And then she also said, "Lamar, I respect you as if you were a son." I'm worried or slash concerned for you. I have dealt with racism, bigotry, and prejudice. Um, I have worked in corporate America for over uh, years. We try to prove that we are fair. Um, and then she also said, Trey Newsom, I hear you, but black men like Lamont catch hates from the real criminals, just like an innocent black man. Um, and then Tora said in our comments, that's how I feel in Brownsville and I'm from the hood. Um, and uh, she also said exactly um, exactly my point, Traquan Brownsville is no joke. It is what it is. Uh, Lene said in our comments, you are so right. Uh, and then Nikki said in our comments, color is viewed as a weapon, uh, well black. Um, and then uh, she also said, yes, Angelica, you better talk. Uh, Tora said in our comments, the cops really make it priority to get to know the residents in the suburbs. Right, so um, one one thing that I'm seeing that that's a common um, topic or or um, theme that just that keeps coming up is race, right? When we talk about hands up, don't shoot. When we talk about excessive use of force, when we talk about police brutality, it's 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 really uh, seems to be tied to race in the way that we view other races and the way that other races view us, right? As black people. Um, and these are conversations um, why I thought that this was such a vital conversation to have because I could have easily put in the topic, hands up, don't shoot white men, right? But now that takes away from the, um, the black people that may be serving in law enforcement, right? That takes away from the Hispanic people that may be serving in law enforcement and the other races um, that, I, that I may not have mentioned, this, um, you know, so many, but that takes away from all of those because like in You went off, Trey Kwame can't hear you. No. What is your microphone setting set to? Technical difficulties. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Here we go. I was using an external mic and I guess it tapped out on me. So let me see if I can get that fixed. And if not, then I'm just going to rock out with this one. I hope you guys can hear me. I can hear you. you guys hear me now? Yeah. yeah. 
All right, so my mic want to work now. See, I don't, I don't know what it is. Now, I always tell people um, <laughs> when stuff like this happens, when you have a real important conversation, the old church folks they would have uh, been like, "It's the enemy." It's the enemy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but yeah, one common thing that I'm seeing is that um, you know racism, right? And not just one. We're seeing it a uh, mass majority of it in white culture. Um, but we also can't forget that it happens in other forms um, and other races and to other groups of people. Um, you know, I've been in a neighborhood where I've been pulled over by in East New York, Brooklyn. Uh, that's where I grew up at. I've been in a neighborhood where I've been pulled over by a white cop, an Asian cop and a Spanish cop. And they, I was walking with a friend to the, I was going to the store for my parents and, and I didn't live the type of life where I could just go outside. My parents did not play that. You go into the store. <laughs> She's coming back. <laughs> like I wasn't out roaming the streets. So I was on a store run and I got pushed up against a car. And then they just jumped. They asked me my name. I told them my name. They asked me if I had been here. I pointed to my house. They jumped back in the car. And I was like, wait, what was that about? You fit the description. They jumped in the car and just and just sped off. Like, so. And, and that was during the stop and frisk era, right? So, like, and as a kid, that's scary because I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm a young teenager. I had to be 13, 14 years old, and I'm being told I fit a description. I don't know where that could have went. And I say that to say that because there were multiple different races there. Um, so it doesn't only happen, you know, when it's a white cop. Uh, we're just seeing that. Um, in a mass majority that is, you know, that is them. And it's, it seems to be due to racism, right? Um, so I want to talk about the statistics a little bit, right? So um, according to the Washington Post, uh, as of March, 2021, so there are some statistics that aren't there because like we all know, there are um, some deaths that have been uh, caused due to police uh, brutality that have happened in the month of April, but has uh, as of March, um, it says that although African-Americans make up less than 14% of the population, they accounted for, for almost 24% of over 6,000 fatal shootings by the police since 2015. Um, Lamont, what are, what are some of the reasons that you think that this number is so high? Oh, where can I start? Um, a lot of it is drug activity, a lot of it is gang activity which is gang activity over the last, last five years have jumped from, from cause there's gang and there's gangs in East New York. You, you got the, the Crips in East New York. The, in Crown Heights, you got the Bloods. Uh, in the Bronx, you got the Ninetas. And, and, and the, the group is growing over last year, they're growing bigger and bigger and bigger. That's where a lot of the, the guns out of state are coming from. Uh, ooh, uh, the drug thing is now, now the drugs are coming back. There's no more, it's no more crack and there's no more that it's now it's powder and pills. So that's another, that's another, that's another thing. Oh, and it's, it, I've never heard anybody in the last 10 years get shot doing a car stop. Okay, that doesn't, that doesn't come into play. I don't I had never heard of none of that, but it mostly is drug related. Domestic violence too is another thing. That's the worst, that's the worst scenario you can have because usually the guy comes in and starts blasting everybody like we had three weeks ago. Uh, 
that that's usually that's usually it. Most of the most of the statistics in this in the South though, it's usually in the, in the South where you have a lot of because I don't from what I've seen in the last years I I you I do not approach the car with a gun out already. You know, it, it's that I've never seen that before. And they do that down south all the time. And it's like, but why? You know, you don't, you, you just for a VTL, a traffic, uh, a light or something like that, or a broken tail light, you're going to pull a gun on somebody? That doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, and usually the person's respectful saying, well, what did I do? Or, but it, 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 it just creates something <laughs> out of the blue. You know, it's like, I don't understand that, but the reason over the last ten years, I read this 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 is you saying, and I read that from the FBI, but it's mostly a lot of more white people has been been shot by cops than black people have been shot by cops, which I I don't I don't get that. That's from the FBI. I don't, I, don't I just don't understand that. There are more white people in the population. It would make sense that yeah, that would it would right? make sense. But and everybody who's white is not like your Anglo-Saxon white. Excuse me. Like yeah, that, that is true. Also, so That's they, true they also. say they're, they're white, but uh -huh. like, again, like yeah, like you said before, with the Middle Eastern, and yeah, I'll say I think it's because. And you are right in terms of statistics. A lot of that does happen in the South, and there's a lot of mm -hmm. um, history and slavery that is still perpetuated in the South, right? I would say this, right? When a white man sees a white man, he stops a white man in a car. Mm -hmm. He sees himself. He sees a man, a human, who can be his brother, who can be his cousin, who is a father, who's a son, who, you know what I'm saying, who's an uncle, who has a family that loves him, people that he loves. He sees that person, he can relate to that person. Mm -hmm. You see a black man, you see a threat. Especially if they're racist, talking about like the deep south, you see a threat. If we wanna talk about the beginning of policing in general, the beginning of policing started toward the end of slavery, mm -hmm. which was nothing but Ku Klux Klan members who won another way to be in power, right? People who were not, maybe not the masses, but the the, uh, the keepers, I, the word is slipping my, my, my head. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Those were police. You know what I'm saying? So when you think about that, and Ku Klux Klan is very much alive, you have these people who inherently, right? They have hate in their hearts. This is not something like, oh, this was a mistake and he did anything. That person was ready to kill that, that black guy when he came to the car. If when he stepped out the car, he knew that if he had to shoot him dead, he would have. You understand what I'm saying? So I understand like, like, but when you go for a regular traffic stop and you think it is you're going to go home, you're going to get your ticket and you're going to go home. It doesn't. I personally, I lived in Atlanta for about what, three, maybe three and a half, four years, right? Graduated high school out there. My dad got pulled over in a, in a car before. I don't even know what it was. I think it was a broken tail light or something like that. And that cop, try to emasculate my dad like in front of us if it wasn't for and i won't say it the blood of jesus or the fact that he was covered it would have been like a crash a scene from crash because he was rude it would it, it could have got worse it was scary because i didn't know if my father was gonna make it out alive that day if he not had enough sense to again de-escalate the situation i i'm very passionate about that because i don't think that people will really see people want to make it like it's not about race it is i don't care if there was a thousand games when you come for a car stop that man you don't know if that man is in the gang or not 
You don't know who he is. He's just a man that you stopped for the issue. He was speeding or whatever. Or if he wasn't even just driving while black, which is not technically a crime. Mm -hmm. That's something that we're seeing so much more often. Like I was jogging while black, right? Like, um, you know, outside while black um, and all of these different things. So that's something that we're seeing too much, right? Where it seems like just being black is the crime itself. Um, the one thing, one of the things that I do want to point out um, is I like um, I like what Lamont said in the sense of you know he's a New York City Police Department officer, right? So these statistics that he's given us as far as like um, with shootings, like gangs, drugs, um, violence, right? This is what he sees, especially being that we're um, and he's in a predominantly black neighborhood. His police um, precinct is predominantly black and Hispanic. Um, and he's able to um, now shed light on what's going on here in this neighborhood because sometimes when something goes on somewhere else, we like to associate it with what's going on in our neighborhood, right? Um, and although they do have their similarities, so I'm not saying, you know, if you see something somewhere else and it's, and it's similar and it looks like a trend, of course, we have to take heed to that. Um, but we also can't Let's say, for example, um, I'm I'm so, I'm just a local pedestrian that sees Lamont every day, and his post is my corner, and he's there every day, and I say good morning to him, and we talk every morning, and then now a police shooting happens in another state, and now I'm ready to spit on him. Like you, you understand what I'm saying? Like we can't treat situations um, like that, yeah. or treat people like that when that situation may not apply. Um, to you in your situation. It's okay to empathize and also to um, take action in any way, shape or form in order to um, you know, help the movement to make sure that things like this don't happen, but you don't wanna create a situation in your environment when that situation doesn't exist, right? Um, so when we, when we, and there was, and there was a, a lot said, right? And, and then now even with, what Angelica said now, right? In contrast, so now, you know, we have things that are done um, a certain kind of way because of the neighborhood that we live in, but then now we look at situations where we're just driving and black, right? And then now we're getting pulled over. And like Lamont said, like we're being approached with guns, like, bro, my tail light was out. Like, you didn't <laughs> see a shotgun no hanging out the back of my car, like. <laughs> that makes no sense, it just doesn't no sense. So, um, Tim, I actually want to ask you a question about something that you said earlier, right? Being from the South, being licensed to carry, right? It's, does that create, um, I want to say, like an extra sort of fear or anxiety? Um, let's say if you happen to be, you know, like I'm going hunting or something like that, and you, and you have a licensed firearm in the car with you, like, does that create an, an extra form of anxiety, just knowing the climate that we live in? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it does, uh, because if we all are going to be honest, all Black people have a uh, certain level or degree of PTSD, whether they know it or not. Um, and so uh, so I, I think the key thing, and I'll say something I learned from uh, uh, my wife's uh, dad, uh, my father-in-law, he said that whenever he's pulled over, he always makes sure to not just present his license and registration but also his license to carry, right? To to so so he does all of that at the same time to let. I don't know what the gun laws are in New York, but I, I know there there it's a little bit more lib, liberated down here 
uh, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, along that Mason-Dixon line, uh, Tennessee. When you start going to areas like that, there's a lot more freedom, uh, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, there, there, there are certain levels of anxiety. But what amazes me is that uh, I tend to get more tense and have more anxiety uh, if I'm pulled over by the police than I would how I feel in soft target areas that mass shooters would go in. So if I'm in a college classroom or if I'm going to uh, the grocery store here, it's called Publix, or if I'm going to Walmart, I have no level of anxiety that somebody's going to come in there and shoot, uh, even though that probably happens more often than some, as opposed to when I'm driving and the police is just sitting there in the median or the police is here. Well, here in Dade, it's kind of different. The state trooper, right, is, 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 is there on the median. Or if you go into the neighborhoods, the police is there. Um, so so th there are certain levels of PTSD, certain levels of stress, certain levels of anxiety uh, that I deal with. Um, I think that we all deal with whether you carry or not, but I, I think when it comes down to, uh, and, and my wife thinks that I have this incessant excitement about guns, uh, right? So um, I'm trying to get her to get one. And she told me the other day, I'm not gonna get one yet, I'm not, right? But, but, um, <laughs> but, but e even with that, you just have to be careful. For those of you who know the words of prayer, you have to be prayerful. Uh, right. And um, and you have to be respectful, as Mr. Lamont says. But as uh, as my very much conscious sister Angelica said, you need to be woke. So 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 you, you need to know what's going on. Uh, for those of you who live in the South, uh, you need to realize what's going on. You need to realize that you are a target, uh, that black people in all urban areas are targets. And here we don't I want to say some say this too, Traquan. Here is not really gang violence. Right. So if you're going to move to Dade County. If you're going to move to Atlanta, if you're going to move to Houston, it's not really gangs, right? That's more northeastern where you guys are, Whoa, the Midwest. Wait, 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 you forgot Jacksonville. Hold on, I can't leave Duval out. Tell you something now. <laughs> back, the boys down there is kind of hot now. It's kind of hot. Right, that's why I'm moving back. All right, but no, but uh, stay, stay home. Stay home. No, no. No, but but yeah, that there there's some for Jacksonville was the murder murder capital at one time, right? So so uh New Orleans, right? So oh, when, yeah, when, you yeah. think, when, when you when you think about these different areas where they're where they're mass selling, you know, you have like like Lamont said, the proliferation of illegal firearms, and then you can go to the gun store and get uh what that was Dominique was looking at for you. I mean like a a a, a nine millimeter for like $250, they having all these specials that you can that you can just, and you know, all of this stuff is happening all at the same time. I can understand the PTSD that black men uh, deal with, but I, I just say that to say here in the South, there, there isn't really a lot of gang wars. There is a lot of just stupid stuff, right? So um, what's that What's that one name that was from Fort Lauderdale? Kodak Black and, um, and the one that got killed up in Fort Lauderdale in his BMW. XXX Tentacion, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? So, 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 so all these guys, um, not too far from where we stay, it's not really the gang violence. It's I'm gonna make a social media video of how one of my homeboys killed one of your homeboys over some drugs, right? Make a music video. You so dumb, right? So the police <laughs> gonna use that as evidence against you. Then somebody else gonna make another music video on TikTok, right? About how they gonna kill you, and then y'all just got AKs. You know what I'm saying? These Assault rifles in the videos. These boys 15, 16 years old. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? 
And then in the crossfire, like we just came from a couple of funerals. I know I just came from doing, uh, being a part of a couple of funerals. Four-year-old girl dies, seven-year-old kid dies, 10-year-old kid dies, right? Uh, the story just goes on and on and on, being in the crossfire, playing at the park, going to see their grandmama, right? And, you know, there's a Brownsville here, here too that's pretty bad, but you got Overtown, Opelocker, Liberty City, Little Haiti, you got uh, Florida City, you got all these bad areas, right? These crime-ridden areas, and you see these innocent lives being taken, right? So I don't know, man. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what we, I mean, I, I have, I have some uh recommendations but I, I it's just getting terrible yo it's bad bro it is bad it is bad i definitely agree um and um uh, just to jump to our comments for a second uh lee said in our comments so happy to see um a lot more local conversations like this happening um so you know that that shouts out to you guys the panelists for being here being a part of this conversation you guys the viewers for chiming in on this conversation, um, because at the end of the day, like this conversation needs to be had, right? So each perspective here, um, whether it's in the comments or um, or the panelists, like each perspective here, we can take that back in our respective lives, whatever it is that we learn, um, or just reaffirming what we know, um, and we can take that back into our lives um, and help um, better someone else's life, whether it's my life, someone else's life. So conversations like this is, uh, are definitely needed. Um, Natalie said in our comments, I've studied statistics in grad school. Uh, you can name all the things you want about crime FBI report, but until the mindset changes regarding us before three-fifths of a person, uh, often misinterpreted to mean that African-Americans as individuals are considered three-fifths of a person or that they are three-fifths of a citizen of the U.S., the three-fifths clause, Article 1, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution of 1787, uh, in fact, declared that for purposes of representation in Congress, enslaved Blacks in the state would be counted as three-fifths of the number of white inhabitants of that state. Mm. So, but, Traquan, can we, can, can we address that briefly, seriously? Because historically, Black people have been targeted by discriminatory criminal laws, and, and I don't know who, who wrote that comment, that statement, but that's important because even in dealing with policing, let's just deal with systemic injustice overall, right? Racism is a systemic national issue that is embedded inherently in our nation. Because if you look at it now, uh, the Virginia Assembly in 1667 said that baptism does not give a, a, an enslaved person freedom. So, so what happened right there is they took race, religion, and they took uh, politics and intertwined them, right? And what they, and now, and look at the time they did it. They did it a hundred years before the Declaration of Independence, a hundred years before the ratification of the Constitution. So a hundred years before America was a nation on its own, they wanted to make it clear that we're going to, we're going to strip you of dignity racially, religiously, and politically, Right, so before the Three-Fifths Compromise, which came 200 years later, or a little, a little less than 150 years later, Black people were already viewed, right, even in the church, as having no rights. So I'm, I'm glad that was brought up because you have, like Lamont said, you have Black police officers, Black brothers and sisters who are lawyers, right, Black brothers and sisters who are judges, Black brothers and sisters who are state attorneys that deal with prejudice every day on their job. Yes. They can't get a shot. They can't get an opportunity. They don't yeah. want to make no black, you know, black 
uh, chiefs of policemen until there is a terrible gang issue and a bunch of people die. Then they want a poster boy or a Stephen Fetcher out there. They don't want to make black people the superintendent of school boards, right? Mm -hmm. Until the school board is shot and going to hell. Y'all forgive me, that's just how I talk, right? That's not a cuss word to people in the South. But, go, go, you know, in a handbasket, and, and, and now they want to put a poster child out there. Yeah, I, look, I love the NBA, right? And I always say it. My boy Stephen A. Smith from Queens, New York, always makes it plain to me every morning, right on first take, is that in the NFL and the NBA, down, down south is the NFL, up north with you guys that it's the NBA basketball culture up there, football culture down here. You can't get any black coaches. You can't even get anybody a chance. You got all these black athletes. They don't have no representation in the front office, right? So all of this stuff is a systemic issue that runs deep in America, in the black church, in major Baptist organizations. Why do you think all these black churches, I don't care if you go to New York, but y'all got a lot of churches. You come down here, it's a lot of churches. All the black churches are lumped in one area. They're all falling apart. They can barely make ends meet. And then you go over into some suburban area and you got this Episcopalian church, a church whose denomination you can't pronounce, some Presbyterian Episcopalian Armenian church, huge, beautiful, cascading windows, right? On top of everything, on top of a hill, they get all of these opportunities and we're stripped of all of our resources and chances. So I, want, I, wanted, to, uh, I wanted to respond to the person that said that. I think that was, that was really important. I'm done now. Yes, I want to I want to add education though to that. I want to bring it back to what you talk about in terms of redlining, right? And uh, which which you're conversing about zone schools. That's also a perpetuation of um segregation. That's not done by mistake, right? If people think about you know Brown versus the boy and like the first black girl to go to an all white school. Schools are just as segregated now as they were when segregation was legal. I want to make that very clear. The reason why they do zoning is to make sure that you, as a black kid, stay in your underfunded school. That's what I'm saying, with your lack of opportunities and your lack of resources, which is why you gotta use grandma or a post, a post um postal box in order to get your, your, your child or your son or your daughter into a, a better school in a better zone. People don't know that those schools on Park Avenue, they just as um public as the schools out here in Brooklyn. The difference is that they got teachers from Harvard. Yes. The difference is that the taxes that they pay are a lot more. The difference is that the funding that that school gets from those rich parents are a lot more. So their children, could, they, they have vegan meals. They have kosher meals. You know what I'm saying? They have, they, have, they have what they need. You know what I'm saying? And they're still public. So you think about the, 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 the disproportionate amount of money that schools are funded, depending on what area you live in, that's, that's systematic as well. Mm -hmm. The reason why they don't care about when you get to high school is like, it's too late by then. You, you ain't no, you can't catch up. Like I teach six, seventh, I take toward six, seventh, eighth grade. I have students that read at a kindergarten level. Wow. At a first grade level. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't catch like psychology teachers. You can't catch that child up. Once you miss those critical periods in learning, you can't catch that child up. So we don't care where you go when you when you in high school. If you were, if you that black kid that made it out, so be it. That one out of ten, I'm good with that. I'm okay if, if my child knows a little bit of diversity by the time we in high school. But by the time that happens, it's too late. Our kids don't have the opportunity. They don't have the pursuit. They can't pursue happiness because they're chopped off of everything. People will talk about nonprofit organizations and oh this this and this neighborhood. That's that's un underfunded as well. Your philanthropists that raise millions and millions of dollars for things that that affect them and their family. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have that in 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 the hood and places where with hardworking people, people that come from where I come from. I live in a project. I didn't know I was living in a in an underfunded place. 
I had love. You see what I'm saying? I had nourishment. I ain't go hungry. So you don't really realize that until you get older. When you sitting next to that person in college and you just like, wait, what? You you did what? You had what? I didn't. Now you start to realize, you know what I'm saying? Besides what you know on TV, because the African-American identity theory teaches us that our identity, we start in hate. We start with self-hate. I was going to bring that up when we talk about the black officer with the with the black um person. Sometimes it is like they're making want to make the world a better place, but sometimes we just don't like who we are. When we don't have those conversations often about racism, anti-racism, my black uh, experience versus your black experiences, we don't talk about colorism. We don't talk about those things. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen in the black community as well. Telling you, colorism is actually not 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 the next episode, but the episode after that is spoiler alert. It's going to be on colorism. So, um, I'm all great points. Like, and 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 this is why I'm so happy, right? So most people will be like, "Wow, like they really just had like a bunch to say, right?" That mm-hmm. that, that was just a lot of information at one time. From a comment to Tim to Angelica, right? And what I really want to point out is that it started with a comment. Mm-hmm. This is why you're like you guys' comments are so so important, right? This is why you guys' comments are so important because you are a part of the conversation. And um, from everything from I agree that- with her because because when I was younger, I was bust out from. Bed-Stuy to Diker Heights to I went to an all-white school and that was the first part of that thing that you know black people couldn't go to and I I saw the way they went to school and I saw the way I I used to go to school and it was it's totally different and if somebody fell behind oh we got tutoring I was like what <laughs> we got we got like, where did you, where did that come from <laughs> they they had tutoring they had tutoring classes and and sometimes they would even call you on the phone and say yo you need help i, I didn't have that for another school they have labs they have books, yeah they have curriculum mm-hmm. they right. training right and and right. all of those things and i just want to let everybody know who's viewing right because i know the name of the episode is hands up don't shoot right so i know somebody might be wondering like why are we talking about uh systemic racism why is it that we're talking about all of these acts and all of these uh different things right it's all important because um like we like we right like we spoke about earlier the common theme in a lot of these shootings is racism Mm -hmm. all of these different things play a part right so when, when we looked at the statistic that we looked at, um, that African-Americans make up less than 14% of the population, they're accounted for almost 24% of over 6,000 fatal shootings by the police since 2015. This was as of March, 2021 from the Washington Post, right? Um, I want to, and, and I'll ask Angelica, right? Angelica, does black on black crime affect these numbers? In terms of the specific statistic, no. It's not saying uh, fatal shootings in general, it's saying fatal shootings by cops, if I'm correct, right? So no, I know this is a common thing that people t- t- tend to, 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 to bring up. I wanna talk about like the ghetto, right? Was also like um, premeditated. This wasn't by mistake. The ghetto was made on purpose. Anybody, white, black, brown, 
even species that aren't human, if you put them in a space without enough resources, they are going to kill each other for because it's survival of the fittest. It is in every human nature. If I can't eat at night and survive, how you think I'm going to go get it? Yes, it is a mentality that perpetuates African-Americans in a negative light. No, I'm not saying that it's right. I never been, you know, I never had to to do think I never had to go hungry to know what it's like to be a black man who can't feed his family, a mother who can't feed her, her child or doesn't get enough, you know what I'm saying, nourishment for, for her unborn child when she's pregnant. I've never been in situations where I've had to go out there and go kill somebody for something. But that does not give anybody white, black, or different to shoot and take about take somebody's life and say, well, y'all kill each other. And if you was in my situation, you'd be killing each other too. We don't talk about all the rednecks out there that's out there sniffing coke and on heroin mm. and, a, and a slice slice their mama and burn down their houses and do all of that. We ain't talking about that. You see what I'm saying? Like, don't isolate a situation and act like it's just something separate. Like, if y'all kill each other, then we could kill you. That's just what y'all do. No, because they don't go and view the black people, the black doctors and the black lawyers and the, and the people at a, in those, those neighborhoods. And they're not living the same black experience as those people that are in those gangs. Chicago has a death rate as high as the war. We know that, right? That was a statistic. Does that mean that that boy that got stopped should get killed by a police officer? No. Does that mean he should get more time than the same white boy who has the same criminal record? He should get more time than that white boy? No, that doesn't mean that. That has nothing, that has nothing to do with it. Yes, we need to work on black on black crime. I march against gun violence with my students every year. Yes, we can do some things. Yes, there needs to be different laws in, in, in place. Yes, we need to have a focus on African-American families and nurturing. Why would a kid want to go out there? Why would that 13-year-old boy be with that 21-year-old boy shooting exactly. guns? Yeah. That's yeah. not, he's a baby. He's yeah. not, something is wrong in his brain. He's lacking something. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So yes, that's a separate situation that we as black people can focus on. Each one, teach one, right? I can't affect the whole world or whole America, no. So it's like a better me, a better we, right? One by one. But that is a totally separate situation and issue than police brutality. Because these are people who are, many of them are not in games. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, and I'm happy you said that, right? Because when, when you look at the situation, like you said, when we talk about police brutality, um, hands up, don't shoot, right? When we talk about stuff like that, that's one of the things that always comes up, right? Like black on black crime, like it always comes up. And that's why I thought that it was so crucial um, to ask that question or to, uh, to include that in the conversation, because it's something that, that always seems to come up. It is a conversation that does need to be had. Right, but does it directly affect? Um, you know, does one correlate with the other? And I, I personally, my personal belief, um, because I always say when we're up here and we're, we're doing these these live streams and, and we're doing these episodes, that I don't want anybody to take anything that I say or anyone else says as law. I just want you to take it as a different perspective that may enlighten you and and lead you in a direction to help better you or even myself. Um, that's why, you know, even before our episodes, I tell, uh, you know, my panelists, say how you feel, you know, speak from your heart, um, you know, of course, speak respectfully, right, but speak from your heart, say how you feel, um, and communicate how you feel, um, because at the end of the day, I'm looking to learn and grow too, right, I've learned so much just being a part of this conversation um, alone, like some facts that I didn't know, and some things um, that were reaffirmed, right, so um, they definitely don't, they definitely don't go together, right? 
Um, let's go to, to our comments again. Um, I wanna make sure that I get all um, to all of them. Lee said in our comments, we need our own police academies and community patrols. Um, that's something that I've been hearing about a lot, um, but I don't think, I think it's easier said than done. Um, but um, I, I'll, I'll circle back and, and ask Lamont about that. Okay. Um, and uh, Natalie said in our comments, Tim Jones, uh, PTSD is real in the black community. Um, and then Nikki said in our comments, I always look in the rear view mirror when I pass a parked cop car. Um, so that fear of policing, like, like we were talking about um, earlier. Uh, Natalie said in our comments, we have a club here in Cali, chicks with clips. Carry your arms, Tim. <laughs> carry your arms, Tim. And then Natalie also said, Tim, you teaching right now. I'm screaming. Tim, you better hit me first when you meet me. Drop that dang mic. <laughs> um, and then Takia uh, said in our comments, hey, family, how are you? Uh, Natalie said, when you have a chance, um, watch a tale of two zips and she put a YouTube link in there. So if, if, um, if you guys have a chance, check that out. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, and then uh, she also said, that's the short facts on redlining, right? So talking about um, what Angelica was saying earlier, like you think like these, like these ghettos were designed, right? Uh, there was a movie that, um, that Natalie had introduced me to called The Banker, um, where it, it talked a lot about redlining and how they design the communities and things of that sort um so if anyone's watching the banker is definitely a good movie um if you wanted a little bit of background um on redlining i don't i don't believe that it's a true story um but it's definitely um factual um in terms of like the way that things went um and natalie also said all of y'all gonna need an escort um <laughs> Marilyn said in our comments, I'm a product of segregation, educated in underfunded schools, hand me down books and relate to Sister Angelica. Jim Crow was alive and well. It is a great responsibility not to forget. Um, and then Torah said in our comments, the projects is exactly what it is, a project. Um, Natalie, uh, Nikki said in our comments, that's why people are robbed. Marilyn also said our young people don't recognize that they are not taught and reminded the system is not for us other than to keep us below the knee um and then tim see i love tim is active in our comments he's gonna be my social media guy i'm gonna <laughs> see if i can get him um and then uh natalie said in our comments marilyn can you sing a solo i'm gonna pass a collection plate this sister is preaching for real angelica <laughs> angelica is preaching. Um, Tiffany said in our comments, uh, what frustrates me the most is we constantly talk about it, march about it, cry about it, but it's not so much, uh, but it's not so much we can do as people. As soon as we try to do better, be better, and give better, we end having everything stripped away. Um, that leads me to our last topic. I know I always tell you guys an hour, we're a little bit over an hour, but these last two episodes have been pretty deep. Um, and I appreciate you guys for staying on. I do appreciate you guys' time. And I don't want you to think that going past this hour uh, means that I, I don't believe that your time is valuable, but I do believe that this information is valuable. Um, so that's why we've been exceeding this time because these are really touchy topics. Um, and I just believe that we need to, uh, you know, talk about it as a collective, as a community, right? 
So um, the last thing I wanted to go over with you guys was, um, and, I, and I put this topic just plain, um, plan of action, right? Um, and Lamont, I'll ask you, um, you know, as a police officer, um, does protesting and rallying work? Yes, it does. It can get things changed. It, it, change, you know, change happens in numbers, in large numbers. And you can get, you can get a politician to change his mind if there's, if there's enough people there to change it for him. And it, I'd go with a group, there's a group in the city as well as in America that, that nobody can go behind because they, if they want something changed, they can get a change that day. And that is the Jewish people. They will, I've seen, I've seen a, a, a rabbi said, I will call the mayor and, and things will be, and my CO will be in a different precinct at the end of the day. So it's, it all has to do with unity. It, if, if it's, if you have, if we have a lot of unity, it is nothing they can, it's nothing they can do. It's, it's, that's, that's where the change is going to come from. And we see, we saw that last June when, with the George Floyd thing, when all the, all the protesters went around in the city, things changed. Right. Things changed, uh, uh, laws changed, uh, our patrol guide changed by 300 pages on you can't grab nobody above, above the waistline, you can't, you can't grab nobody by, by the neck. My sergeant got fired two months ago because he grabbed somebody by the neck. So it, it's all with unity. Right. I, and, and I love uh, the, the, the unity that, 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 like the, that you're talking about because a lot of times cer certain areas or certain people, I should say, resort to um, what, what they're calling now is looting. Um, mm. I, I personally don't particularly care for the idea of burning down a random supermarket Yes, but that, yeah, last year that had a lot to do with, it wasn't the people protesting, that has a lot to do with Atifa and Tifa. They did a lot of that. Those are the guys that were wearing the black mask and going around breaking windows and stuff like that. That was them. They're doing all that looting and taking advantage of the situation. Uh, most of the people were just, just carrying their, their banners and walking and chanting. Those Atifa people came in, they wanted to throw bottles, they wanted to crash windows and that that was all that was all of them. They're the radical group that we really don't need. See, don't thank, need thank you, Lamont. And and you know, and, and I'm happy that you said that because this is something that I believe that we're all aware of, right? But again, how I how I like to approach our conversations with each other is even, not with my point of view, right? Because I don't ever want it to seem like, again, this is the way, right? Yeah. Um, we can say what we agree with, what we don't agree with, and then as as the conversation goes on, we can address the elephant in the room. And I and I thank yeah. you for addressing yeah, the elephant I'm, in the room. I'm right? also I'm, I'm glad that the verdict came down today. I thought he was only going to get one, but he got all three, and I'm happy for it. Right, he deserved what he got. Right, and and you know what? I was going to address that at the end, but thank you for bringing that up now. Right, and I'm I'm with you on that one because at the end of the day, we've seen too many times where situations occur, and only like you get like the least charge. Like you have three charges and you get the least one. 
-hmm. and then you you walk away with or you get two and probation yeah, and I did because they only it only took them 10 hours and it that would for a trial like that that was quick and I was like well, it's like oh he's in trouble yeah yeah <laughs> their minds were, their minds were already made and and you know and and you know the the interesting part about that they they were asking I believe it was on CNN like an experienced um defense attorney or or um prosecutor and they they were saying that um if the if the deliberation takes too long, they were asking him, "Do you think that it, that that means that it's more in the defense's favor or the prosecution?" And they were saying that if the deliberation takes too long, that it it is typically more in favor of the defense. Right. Uh, so the fact that it came out as soon as it did, um, and that the verdict was what it was, um, it shows that this shows a level of change that that mm -hmm. that we that that basically, and I'm. For lack of a better term, um, I'm from Brooklyn. We ain't playing. Like we mm -hmm. not playing. Like we not playing. It's, it's it, it is what it is. And and I'm and protest and rally and that unity um, that we see in the example that Lamar came like in Jewish communities, like everything that we talk about from policing our own schools, own hospitals, stores, things of that sort. We see that in Jewish communities. Um, and a lot of it is because of unity. Of course, there are other, there are other, you know, um, things that go into it, um, but in economics, right? <laughs> there are other things. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> go into it, but a big part of it is unity, right? Um, yes. So, so taking that, taking that information and saying, okay, this protest and this rallying don't let anyone tell you that it does not work we have to be unified on all fronts it does um, when when it comes to to all of these things and um and, and we're actually chatting while we're while we're, like we're chatting with each other like, while it's going on. <laughs> but but um unity and um as angelica just pointed out to me unity and education right and this yeah. is why yeah. conversations like this need to be had why we have to take the opportunity to say, I'm going to um, get information and better myself, right? Like we have to, um, it, it's nothing worse than a loud fool, right? So, you know, we have to take this opportunity to better ourselves and know what we're talking about when we're able to put ourselves to get in a position to get in the room to change something, right? Like you don't want to get in the room to change something and you talking a bunch of nonsense. Me personally, if I'm in the room, and I'm not speaking, I need Tim Jones or Angelica <laughs> um, or Natalie in our comments because they because they know they stuff like and I need a Lamont for reinforcement because like uh, Natalie said, we're going to need an entourage after this, right? <laughs> so uh, Natalie said in our comments, uh, in Cali, they bust them in, uh, they change their white hoods for looting. Uh, so she she addressed that that elephant in the room. Marilyn said, "You heard Trump when the looting starts, the shooting starts." Um, so a lot of people would say that 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 looting is just uh, a reason. White and at the White House, right? Okay. Yeah, that was mm, right. that was terrible. So <laughs> Zakia said in our comments, "We are stronger than what we give ourselves credit for. They fear our unity." Um, so yes. we just. I agree. It's, it's, it's I agree. like a it's like an unspoken truth, right? But now we have to act on it. Um, and and I remember in one of our past episodes, I believe it was um, about what's draining. Um, and, and one of our uh, one of our viewers said in the comments, um, you have to be aware of a particular situation and be accountable. 
And when holding yourself accountable, uh, there's an action that comes with that, right? So we can be aware that someone is in fear of our unity. Uh, we can acknowledge that. But now that we've had that acknowledgement in that moment, we have to now take action and put steps into place. I, right? think, uh, I think the whole country is, is uh, aware of the unity. If, if it wasn't that cop that, the cop that, that totally abused the military guy, and I don't think anything would happen to him if what was going on today wasn't happening. I think he would have just got a slap on the wrist and let go. You know, the whole but, world wasn't but, watching with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he, it, that was that was something that shouldn't happen either. But if it what wasn't going on today, it, he he would have just got a slap on the wrist and he would have been working the next day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Natalie said in our comments, "How much money did they lose with the boycott of the buses in Montgomery?" Right. So these are things yeah. that that we have to look at, like historically, yeah. like. Um, and then she said, "You think they stopped letting us ride?" in the back of the bus because they saw the light and loved God. No, we hit them in the wallet, exactly. right? So, yeah. you know, there are ways, there are ways to, to, to go about these things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, do you think, Tim, that more of our community, more of our people uh, would be open to setting up meetings with our local precincts to, to regain trust? Um, because with a lot of, what's going on, although I said earlier that we shouldn't bring that energy to our local law enforcement if that's not the situation, it, it does seem to happen, right? Because of that um, PTSD and because of, um, like Angelica said, my Black experience, right? So we, we, we all are carrying some things that, have, have, that has given us mistrust in one way or another, whether it was um, through someone else's experience or our own. Um, so do you think that that will ever be at a point where where our neighbors will be open to setting up meetings uh, where we can try to regain trust? Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff is uh, going on already. Um, I think we're just not, and, and I can't say we're not educated. I, I think we're, sometimes people will feed into what they want to feed into, right? So if you are watching The Real Housewives, um, and my wife just looked up at me when I said that. Hold on, dog. Well, let me finish, man. Come on, stop playing. Chill, bro. Doc. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Is that, um, I wasn't talking about you, babe. Come on, let me finish, man. People, people watching. All right, no. So what happens is, um, if you're doing that, you don't know about programs like uh, uh, Be the Bridge with Latasha Morrison. Look into that. I'll put, I'll put, I'll, I'll be trying to duel. Be, be in the comment section and be over here for you, Brother Trey Quine. You know what I'm saying? Doing my thing. Uh, but I also want to do a shameless plug for uh, a brother in the 67th precinct right there in, in Brooklyn, a uh, close friend of mine by the name of Pastor Gilman Rose and the God Squad, uh, which is an anti-gun uh, safety, uh, safety uh, precaution uh, unit that a coalition. Oh, I, yeah. uh, uh, the, gun uh, suppression squad. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and I'll put their uh, website link in the chat too, they're doing an awesome job and they're looking for people to be a part of their movement all the time. I mentioned uh, you to him today, Traquan. He said he would love to get connected to you. Awesome brother. Uh, you have so many programs that are at work that are already doing this. I think what we, need, what we need to take from Jewish community is in black people always want to start something, then bring everybody on with them when they get on. Instead of everybody be like a beachhead and come together and just be the movement, right? So there are already things that are taking place. Why don't we just kill that pride and everybody ain't gonna be on, face ain't gonna be on a magazine and that's gonna be okay. 
but let's bring our gifts to the table that's already been set, right? So if I know Brother Traquan is having this every week, he's having a better me, a better we, I'm not going to go start no podcast just because, you know, black people do stuff like that. He got a podcast, I'm going to go start a podcast, you know what I'm saying? But no, it, it ain't like that, right? That's what KD did. KD was like, look, I'm in Brooklyn, LeBron in LA. I'm going to bring everybody over here, make this super team, right? But 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 you don't have to always, it doesn't have to always be approached that way. There are things at play that black people can be a part of where we, where we are having these open discussions with law enforcement, with people that look like us in higher positions, with people that don't look like us in higher positions. And the last thing I want to say is, is that, and, and I have to say this because I'm a pastor and I just assume we all, we hear all Christians. And if not, we all have some form of uh, response to God or higher power. This is a heart issue. Uh, the reason why some people don't see the change is because uh, I, I'm going to say it now because I'm a little bold. I'm going to call no names. I ain't going to mention Quantum like that because we want to get endorsements in the future. But but if you want to hear any name dropping, I, I'll be going live tomorrow. But what I'm saying is this, is the, the issue is that uh, white evangelicalism, and by that I mean whitewashed Christianity, a false form of Christianity, American Christianity, has played a huge role from Jerry Falwell and the moral mm. majority up until now mm. with how racism has played into this nation. That is, the, the church has always had a powerful voice. And when the white church is on the side of the white right, right, or the white left, um, then it's, it's kind of like with Malcolm X. I don't know if you all saw X, Malcolm X the movie, uh, Malcolm X teacher who really liked him, right? So like a white progressive. And he said, I want to be the president. They was like, you know, that's good, but you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good hope, but that, that ain't really going to happen for you. Well, that's just like white Democrats that feel that way. They try to keep people in boxes. So either way, whether you're progressive or whether you're conservative, there is this feeling, there is this sense of superiority to the black people. So what we have to do is instead of running in, running to everybody's kitchen and trying to eat from their table, we got to come together. And we and there are already groups that are that are in place. So we can't just say let's come together. Research the groups that are in your community that are having these conversations. Go to city hall meetings. Or what I don't know if you all have borough hall meetings. I don't know how it works, but here, go to city hall meetings. Find out who your local local elected officials are. Up north, I know you all have aldermen and all the city council. Go to your city council people. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I was in New York, that lady walked down the street going to get her sandwich. Go stop and talk to these people. Say, listen, what's going on on Capitol Hill? What's taking place? I work for the congresswoman in our district. Find out what's going on. When you find, like, you guys may not know this, but the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act, right? The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is still in limbo in Congress. Mm. Something that's supposed to bring reform to how uh, um, um, the, the police are to be ran, change the systematic oppression and the racism that is related to gun violence from the police or people of color. It's in limbo. They mentioned it and they talk about it no more. So we need to be aware of this stuff that's going on. That's all I got to say tonight. Hey, man, thank you for bringing me on, Brother Trequan. I'm done. <laughs> Listen, um, you guys do not have a time limit up here. I know um, a lot of people that would make a joke, uh, a lot of the older folks, they say, you know, this is why you never give a preacher a mic, right? <laughs> Right. But but it's good. Right. It's, it's all good information. And one of the biggest things that I really like um, that you said, and I actually saw in my comments, Natalie said in our comments, this is why we have uh, 10 churches on one block. Right. 
Um, and one, and, and the problem with that is, uh, like Tim said, is everybody face not going to be on the magazine, right? It's okay to look up that local group or groups in your area, bring your gifts, your talents, your mind, your thoughts, your ideas to that platform, right? And you might not be the face of that, but what you bring to the table might be needed. And that's not to say to join any and every organization that you see or find, but you pick the one that you feel like uh, would have the most impact or the one that fits you the best. Um, and you be a part of that, like, or if in some cases, if you are led to say that, all right, I want to do something a little different, um, then you might, you know, go out and start a movement or a new movement or something like that, um, or whatever the case may be. But um, I really do, I really did like what you said about, you know, just there are things going on. We just have to educate ourselves about those things, right? Mm -hmm. There are different groups or different people that are trying to seek justice like i i drove my mother to the dentist yesterday i believe it was and drove past 42nd street and there was a a, a protest going on in front of the embassy it was like 10 people you know mm. what i'm saying and um these are things that are happening right now whatever they were protesting for i drove by too fast so i didn't see exactly you know what it was they were protesting for but i'm pretty sure that there might be hundreds of people that that feel the same way that they feel or are fighting the same issue that they're fighting, but they may not be connected, right? So we got to connect with people that that are um, that are like-minded on the same page when it comes to things, especially when we're talking about the hands up, don't shoot police brutality um, and being fearful of our law enforcement um, because these are the people, uh, as they say um, on the TV, that are supposed to protect and serve, right? Um, and, it, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem as, like I don't feel protected, right? Um, so we need to make sure that when we go outside, when our children go outside, um, because this is a conversation when we even look at people like Sandra Bland. Um, and I said this earlier when I asked the question, like when we talk about this to our children, does this apply to our daughters? It definitely does, right? Because clearly when we look at situations like that, it's not a male or female thing, right? These are things that, that women have to deal with as well. Um, and even um, from the standpoint of women uh, sexuality and how they're perceived in that um, way, because you know I've heard women say that they get hit on like in offensive ways um, by law enforcement and things of that sort. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot to it, um, but with unity, um, with education, I do believe that we can get to where it is that we want to be and conversations like this um, are key like to us getting there like because we have to have somewhere to start right so um I'll um Angelica I want to know when approached by law enforcement right like whether it's on foot um you know in a car you know you traffic stop or something of that sort um what are some things um that you think that can be done um, to try and reduce fatalities? I would just be respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, in New York City, I don't necessarily feel like I'm gonna get shot. I do feel like I may be treated a little extra. I've, I've been there before. Um, but um, usually when I, I'm, if I'm stopped in a car, I'll just say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. What, what was I stopped for? Um, here's my identification. 
da, 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 and I wait there. I'm actually very submissive. If you can tell, I'm not really that kind of person. You see, I can be very passionate, but I do know that I have a lot to lose and it sucks. I just shouldn't have to feel that way, but you know, you just want to go home. <laughs> At least for me, I ain't trying to go to jail, jail. So, <laughs> you know, but um, I would just be re respectful. I've seen a lot of situations and I hate to say that a person caused it because it's, it, essentially, you know your rights and you know this thing that, that, that they're doing is not legal um, and it's not right morally. Um, but um, I would just be respectful, definitely be respectful. Was this one that I seen with this guy who got pulled over for speeding or going under the limit, under the speed limit. And he was very respectful for the most part. And then he had got out at one point and like got out the car to go ask the car, well, why did you stop me? Why you, 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 know, you understand what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, I'm in a situation, whether you're a cop or not, if a person has a gun and I don't, what would I do? Well, because that's how I think, right? It was the bigger picture. I'm a bigger picture kind of person. What would you do if I had a gun, not a cop, and you had a gun? Would you be all, or would you flee? Like, you know what I'm saying? Would you try to de-escalate the situation? So I think at this point in history, it is better to go home. So I would say be respectful. Right. And and Tim, what, what are some ways that you think that uh, we could, or some things that you think that can be done to try and reduce fatalities, uh, whether it be a shooting or excessive force or things of that sort? I'm going to say every question. What are some things that we can do? This is the first question that I have to ask myself to get in my mind. What are some things that we could do to reduce the amount of police-involved fatalities or just in general? Uh, po police-involved fatalities, or is there anything that we can do to, to help reduce them? Um, I mean, I, brother, this is such a tough question because it's a it's almost like you can do everything right, you know. Um, but I just concur with what Angelica and Lamont said uh, earlier, what she just said just now. You know, just respect. Um, I think that it's important that sometimes when people feel wrong, they feel like they got to justify themselves. So they we we elevate our voice, like, no, I ain't do it. You know, that, that's just a natural way to react. Uh, but you have to remember that the police officer immediately is going to. Uh, sometimes many in different cases will associate, especially if you're a big black guy, right? So anything that's big, black, uh, angry, aggressive, uh, you know, they're going to associate that with some level of uh, hostility. So you have to make sure that you're respectful. You have to make sure that uh, you know your rights, and that's important. Uh, so you need to educate yourself on, like, I know a lot of the rights that I have uh, with, uh, as, as far as it goes here in the state of Florida, you have to know that they have a right to stop and frisk you, the Terry Frisk laws, you need to know that. So you have to be aware of that, 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 that is law. You can't just say, no, you can't, right? But, you know, reasonable suspicion, you know, sir, do you have any reasonable suspicion as to why you're pulling me over? And, you know, what did I do? What's the issue, right? Um, and, and it's, and you can always ask the officer their name. Uh, now, there have been situations where I've done that, too, and in a very uh, respectable way. Um, officer, could I please get your name? Uh, you know, and, they, and they'll say it while they're walking away. You know, <laughs> you know, they'll do things like that. You know, they're trying to be nasty. But uh, but but it, but you have some police officers that will say, hey, my name's blah, blah, blah. And I'll say this, too, and Lamont may know this. A lot of younger officers are really the ones that are always involved with these tragic situations. So a lot of new guys that have something to prove. Um, that don't want to listen to their senior partners who are trying to help them and teach them the ropes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these, uh, you know, I have a friend who just finished the academy not too long uh, recently here, and I and I pray for him because I already know he's a hot, you know, I hate to say that I'm not going to say his name, but I know that he has something to prove. Oh. Um, he he has a major identity crisis. Um, he was picked on in school, and so when you have all those things, you 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 know, he's he's kind of going through something right now, you know. And I, I don't want to go into any more of his issues, but that's affecting home, right? And so his, his spouse sees a ch- major change in him. And so I'm talking to him all the time, talking to him, bro, make sure you, you know, just because you don't want to, you don't want that to be deflected on anybody else while you're out there doing your thing. Because you're going to run across some disrespectful young brothers. And let me just say this to, we got three men on here tonight. We have a beautiful sister on here tonight. I need to talk to brothers that's listening to me now. Those of you that have sons, right? Those of you that got kids. <clears throat> brothers, I think that is so important that we talk to young men, we talk to our sons, our cousins, our little brothers, and we put them up on some up on game on how to be respectable young men, right? How they address things, how, how they deal with situations just in general, it goes a long way. I know up north saying yes, sir, and no, sir. So you ain't gotta do all that. Down here, we just talk to say yes, sir. My mama slapped me in my mouth, I'll say yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But just yes, or, you know, um, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm going to tell the story, Trey Con, and I'm done. I was at Publix with my little sister. She had just moved here. Uh, she goes to HBCU, Flomo, right, at Florida Memorial, and we were in Publix, and the police officer was there, and he said, um, how are you tonight? How are you guys doing tonight? And I was like, I'm well, sir. How are you? He said, there's a white dude. He said, I'm well, sir. How are you? He said, oh, man, um, I'm I was expecting you to say, oh, I'm good. This, this is his exact response. He was like, oh, I'm shocked that you, that, that's proper English, right? So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, man. Well, I, you know, have a good night. So I'm walking out and I know my sister, she's young. So she's just hot. You know, I could just, I know. So we, we get ready to get in my car. And she was like, because um, I didn't say anything. She said, um, Tim, um, did you find anything weird about what he said? I was like, yeah, yeah. He, he said something very racist, Teresa. Let's go home. Right, right, but I, but I was aware. I'm not going to escalate it any it, it, any more than that. I had a conversation with her, right? But the fact that she was aware, she knew that I was aware, and it just ended there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm yeah. That's it. I and I think that you made some really valid points, especially when it comes to respect, right? How we teach our children, our uh, the people who are around us, um, the people that we have influence over, right? Um, that was another thing that we talked about um, in another uh, episode when we talked about generational behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. And talking about that you may not, someone may not be a part of your bloodline um, and, or may not be that next generation for you, but you may be a person of influence for them, right? So, um, you know, that's definitely something that, sorry, I got my dog here. She want to be a part of this episode. Um, <laughs> that That's definitely... Um, you know, maybe something that 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 you got to look at when you're talking about influence, right? Like, um, you know, I got a nephew that looks at me like a superhero, right? So because he's not my son, that doesn't mean that I don't teach him respect. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't give him structure um, and things of that sort. So definitely, like, I really, I really do agree with that. And, and being aware, right? Just because I'm aware of the situation, that does not mean I need to escalate it, right? So, um, you know, I want to wrap it up. I really t- took you guys... Um, almost another two hour episode again. And I really appreciate you guys. 
I don't want to make this a trend. I don't want to make this a trend. Um, so let, let me just go. I want to go over the comments really quickly. Um, Natalie said in our comments, teach Angelica, be respectful. Meekness is control strength. Uh, she said, Tim, Angelica, Lamont, and Traquan, I doubt you all will ever be the same after today. You have just scratched the surface of what is in your heart. I'm not worried anymore about our people. We have leaders in our Black community. You for Look at what one man did. Dr. King, Malcolm X, I'm crying. You all are amazing. Please embrace your calling as our God will make room for your gifts. Uh, so thank you so much for that comment. Thank you. Um, and then uh, Natalie says, we need to be bilingual. We have to learn how to speak away from our friends and family. Um, so, um, you know, th that, those were, um, you know, some of our comments. Again, sometimes I don't know what it is. Um, I can't see a lot of the comments until um, the video was over. Um, so if I didn't read your comment, um, I don't want you to think that like I, I looked at it or I overlooked it or something like that. For some reason, I just don't see them all. Like I'm working on that, like figuring that out. Um, mm -hmm. But for some reason, I, I just, just can't get it, right? Um, so we were able to go over some really, really good things um, as far as like where it starts, what are some things that we can do, our communities, um, and then having, you know, all of the different minds that we have today, we, we even went into some things that, that, that it related to the topic, but weren't directly on topic as far as uh, redlining and funding and, um, and some acts, systemic, um, you know, racism and things of that sort. Um, and then, and even as far as trainings, right? Like, I know we all were wondering, like, how do you mistake, um, you know, a, a gun for a taser and do they have trainings on this, right? And then we were able to be enlightened on that, right? So, so much information in one episode. Um, and I, like I always tell you guys, I really, really, really do appreciate your time. All of my panelists, um, all of you guys watching, I appreciate your time. Your time is valuable to me. You could have been doing anything else you could have been watching basketball wise loving hip-hop um you know the basketball game the football <laughs> game you could have been doing whatever you wanted to do um but you chose to to be a part of this conversation and shed light on an issue that's really been plaguing our community um and i appreciate you guys for that um from the bottom of my heart so as we wrap up um I'll just go across the board, uh, starting with Angelica. Do you have any last words for our viewers? No, I just wanna say thank you guys for having me. And it was a pleasure to hear all of the perspectives that I heard tonight. And God bless you all. All right. And Lamont, do you have any, any, any last words for our viewers before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I should say thank you everybody for, for, uh, being here tonight and don't forget every precinct in new york city at the end of the month there's a community meeting please go please glow super dope right make sure you're at that community meeting um tim any last words for our viewers before we get out of here no oh, man thanks bro thank you guys you all are an awesome group i'm glad to be here part of this uh, important conversation tonight all right. Um, so um, like I always tell you guys, Thursday, you guys will have the information um, as far as the illustration 
uh, for the next episode. But I'm actually going to do something a little different as we wrap up. I'm going to let you guys know what I'm going to do next Tuesday, right? So because of the pandemic, um, we can't really be as close as we want to um, with people. Um, and a lot of people's uh, businesses are suffering because of that, right? Although in New York City, in certain areas, they're acting like the pandemic doesn't exist, no masks, and then we just all hanging out. But that's another story for another day. Um, and then other areas as well, too. But, you know, that's another story for another day. But what I want to do, um, because when we talked about in our last episodes, accountability groups and um, being able to uh, come together with people and, and, and help um, other businesses and things of that sort, next Tuesday, the next episode will actually be a virtual pop-up shop. Right. So if you're interested in this virtual pop up shop, please um, message me if you have a product, a clothing line, um, decor, um, anything of that sort that you can show virtually um, or that you want to promote. Um, you know, if you have if you if you do fitness and you, you have a video of you training or something, anything you want to promote. Let me know. I want to do a virtual pop-up shop with you guys. If there's anything, like it, I, I can't think of how many different types of businesses there are, um, but if there's anything that you'd like to promote um, at the A Better Me equals A Better We pop-up shop, let me know um, and let's get you in here, right? Let's promote this business. Let's learn, grow together and let's be unified, right? Have a platform. What's the use of having a platform if you can't share it, right? So I want to be able to share um, what I have with you guys and with the people that I know. Um, so that wraps up a better me equals a better we episode seven hands up. Don't shoot. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Angelica Lamont and Tim. I really appreciate you guys. And I just want you guys to remember that a better me equals a better we. I'll see you guys next week, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.